Ryan, I uh, appreciate you setting the bar low for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit under the weather, so I'd appreciate it if you'd bear with me this morning. Um, and it's just definitely a privilege and an honor to be able to lead you in the study of God's Word. And um, just just thankful for that, Ryan, and thankful for you guys. And really just, again, thankful for y'all as a church. Y'all have been such a such a blessing to me these last couple of years. It's been... So awesome just to, to be able to do ministry, you know, and a lot of times when I get to Sunday, I'm really tired, and then to be able to come into a place that's so, just so gospel-centered, um, and for my soul to be fed uh, with the truth each week, um, it's just such a blessing to me, and just thankful for you guys um, for that. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 103, and it's a psalm that's, that's really meant a lot to me. Uh, I had a, a mentor in college who discipled me, and and he went over this psalm with me, um, and it's just so encouraging because it's, it's so full of the gospel. You really get, uh, I told my mom I was preaching on this, and she was like, that, you, know, you get the whole gospel package in Psalm 103, and we really do. Um, and it really just addresses us as people you know, that, that, we're, that we're prone to forget, that we're prone to wander, that we're prone to, to just forget the blessings that we have in Christ. And this psalm is just one where David starts to worship and praise the Lord, and then he begins to recount all of the blessings and all of the benefits that he has in Christ. Um, and then that, that actually draws his heart even more to worship God, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, so as we, as we study this morning, uh, our main, the, we're only going to look at two points, uh, two simple points, and that's this, that worshiping leads to remembering, and then remembering leads to worshiping. Um, so let's, uh, let's read Psalm 103 together. It's a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, Toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, 
O my soul. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. Lord, this is so packed with truth that we need to hear, Lord, that we need to receive, that we need to speak to our souls. Uh, what I, I would just pray that your spirit would just apply these truths to our lives um, and that the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts collectively would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. God, show us Jesus. Show us that we need him and show us that he is, that he is really what our souls long for and what satisfies us. Amen. If I, were to, if I were to say this address to you, P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, would that ring a bell? I know Marsha gets that. There's a little Finding Nemo thing in the house. But yeah, in the movie Finding Nemo, uh, this address, P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, is the address that, that Dory discovers and reads and tries to, to figure out what it is because they think it's a clue to help them find Marlon's son, Nemo, who's been lost. So the movie Finding Nemo is about a little fish named Nemo who wanders away from his dad um, and gets lost. And so his dad, Marlon, sets out to find him and takes with him this fish named Dory. And so they, they get to a spot where they, they find this, this uh, like piece of shipwreckage on the ground. And Dory begins to try to decipher you know, the address on it, and she, you know, gets it out. It's P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. They escape from this angler fish that's trying to eat Marlin. You know, Marlin's like the diversion or whatnot. And, uh, but anyway, the next scene opens with Dory just repeating, P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, to herself over and over and over and over again. And she's doing this because she has a condition. She's got short-term memory loss. And so she just is constantly reminding herself and, you know, talking to herself like, like she's some different person. She's, you know, just like, oh, did I, tell, I need to tell you again. And she just keeps replying over and over and over again uh, to herself what this address is because she's so afraid she's going to forget it. Um, and in thinking about that, it, y'all, we have short-term memory loss when it comes to the gospel, and, and in, my, you know, in my daily life, in my daily experience, I, it's so easy for me to start the day and to just run out the door in the midst of the busyness and, and everything going on in life and just forget what my identity is and just to forget who I am in Christ, to forget these blessings. And I think, you know, it's even, Ryan preached on uh, a psalm recently and talking about thankfulness. I mean, it's just, you know, and he said, when we come into church, a lot of times our hearts aren't in the place that they need to be, but as we go through worship, God moves us there. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's easy, even in, even in coming into worship, we're not focused on the gospel. We're not remembering the blessings that we have in Christ. And so David, David begins to praise the Lord. David is writing the psalm, David, you know, that, that is meant for the assembly, meant for the, the singing of the congregation. And he begins to praise the Lord, and he begins to to, as Matthew Henry says, to, to stir up his soul to worship God. He says, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And as he's, as he's worshiping God, he, he tells his soul, soul, remember the benefits that you have in Christ. So as he begins to worship, he reminds himself of who he is in Jesus, of who, of the blessings that he has in this covenant relationship with God. So that's our first point, is that worshiping 
The process of worshiping, worshiping God, leads us to remembering. It leads us to remembering the benefits. And so, so what are those? What are the benefits that we have in Christ? Well, David says, firstly, that he forgives all your iniquity. Like, he's doing some soul talk here. He's talking to his soul. And he's reminding his soul that, that, what, that what it really needs most is we don't, we don't need more stuff. We don't need more material things. Um, or not, not even at the top of that would be physical health. Um, you know, but, but what he needs is to be forgiven. What he needs is to remember that because God has brought him into a relationship with himself, that he has forgiveness. And what's amazing is that he says he forgives all of your iniquity. God doesn't pick and choose what he wants to forgive about you. And even the things that, that we think, you know, are the most unlovable parts about ourselves, or even the sins that we struggle with daily that we think, I don't, I don't know if God can forgive me. I don't know if Jesus can heal that part of me. This psalm would remind us that he does. That he does. And he does it all the way. And because it's not about us. It's not about how bad we are. It's about how great Jesus is. It's about how wonderful he is and about his righteousness. And it's about that Jesus took all of our sins on himself. That Jesus went to the cross and Jesus paid that debt for us. And that, those sins, if you're in Christ, there is no sin that hangs over your head anymore. You are completely and totally and 100% forgiven. And that's what your soul needs to know. That's what the core of our being needs to remember. But secondly, he heals all of your diseases. Uh, I was reading some commentary, and, you know, yes, I, I think it's talking about, it does talk about physical healing, that God is our healer. But the, the disease of the soul is sin. That is, that's really what plagues us. The disease of our soul is sin. Um, yes, we're afflicted by allergies. We're afflicted by different sicknesses and things like that. But what really sickens the soul is our sin. That's the parasite that's living within us. That's the thing that wants to bring us down, that wants to take us to destruction. And so what the psalmist is remembering is that God is faithful to forgive all of my sins, and yet he's also faithful to heal me of my sin. That God not only forgives and does away with it, but God also brings about the process of sanctification in the life of the believer. That if God is going to be faithful to justify the believer, if he is going to save him and make him righteous in his eyes, then he is also going to put the Holy Spirit to work in us to bring about the process of sanctification. Um, and I think that's awesome because there's no, there's no two ways about it. If you're a Christian, uh, if you're in Christ, or even if you're considering being a Christian, it means this, that, God, that yes, God is going to justify you, but then after that, you're going to be on the process of sanctification for the rest of your life. That God is going to work through his Holy Spirit to rid you of your sin, to deliver you from that, to show you more of it, to show you the depth of it, but also to bring about healing. And so he goes on to say that he redeems your life from the pit, or redeems your life from destruction. And that, that, that is saying that if God is faithful to start to, to justify you, and then to sanctify you, then he is also going to bring you to glory. Um, that he is going to, to work in your life to bring you safely home. And I, that's really encouraging because God is a God that completes the work he begins. Uh, Paul says that, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. He says uh, 
that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. If God is a faithful, covenantal, loving God who has justified us and is sanctifying us, then God will bring us safely to glory. And what David knows his soul needs to remember is that, yes, he is forgiven and justified and made right. Yes, he is being sanctified and being healed of the disease of the soul, which is sin. But he also can rest in the fact that in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the grueling sanctifying process, that he knows that God is going to bring him safely home. And so he goes on to say that he is crowned with steadfast love and mercy. I think this is, this is so beautiful. And even thinking about like Psalm 23 when David says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This idea, this, this wording that we are crowned with steadfast love and mercy, it, it makes me think about uh, in the movie The Return of the King, uh, Lord of the Rings, kind of near the end, um, Aragorn is about to be crowned king and actually receive the crown, and you have Gandalf just standing there in like this, this weird light, and he just like, sets it on his head. And then everybody cheers and goes crazy, you know, because they, they see the king, and then the victory has been won. Evil has been done away with. Um, and this, uh, that, that picture of crowning, or just imagine for yourself, anytime you have witnessed the crowning of a king or something like that, or you've seen it in a movie, Imagine that's kind of what it's like to be bestowed with the favor of the Lord. Um, and for the Christian, that, that's, that's the greatest honor is that God actually places his favor on you. He sets it on you, and that doesn't change. Um, and so to, to be justified, to be sanctified, and to, be, to have the hope of glory also helps us rest because we know that God's love is placed upon our heads, and that's not going to move. Why? Because of Jesus. Again, because of Jesus, because Jesus is the one that heals us, because Jesus is the one that secures our forgiveness, because he has gone to the cross for us. And so David can rest in this truth that he is crowned with steadfast love and mercy. And he goes on to say, soul, he satisfies you with good so that your, new, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Y'all, this is where we get our strength. This is where we find the courage to carry on when, when the times are tough um, and when, when life gets really hard, when loved ones pass, when things really go awry, when, when we're at places in our lives we thought we would never be, um, whether we're in the throes of depression or we're struggling with anxiety or other things like that, what gives us the courage to go on and what gives us the strength is to rest in these truths, to rest in the gospel. Um, God, God really has done that for me a lot. I remember there was a time in college when we were, there was some event was going on. I think it was President's Day of all the days. Um, but anyway, we were watching National Treasure, so I guess that's what helped me remember that it was President's Day. But <laughs> um, I just all of a sudden got stricken with this anxiety. Like all, all in this moment, I just started to doubt my salvation. I started to worry and just fret. And I was just at the point where I was like, I need to just go home. Like I need to, I need to leave. Um, and I was just, my soul was immediately just tormented by doubt and by fear. And, you know, I was looking at myself and whatever was going on in the surroundings. But then I remember driving home and God just reminded me of the gospel. I just remember thinking these words like, you're mine, I've chosen you, rest in my love. And I'm not saying that those are directly the words of God. But what I'm saying is that God reminded me of my calling. 
But it wasn't about me. It's not about that moment of how much I was doubting or how much unbelief I had in my heart. But it was about the fact that God was faithful, that God was the one who had forgiven me, that God was the one who had called me, and that God was the one who had set his love upon me. And that's what I could rest in. And that's what you can rest in this morning. Um, and so David, David has, he speaks this truth to his soul, but then he goes on to say that God works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. I think this is really comforting because when we look at the world around us, we look at the, the chaos and the stuff that's going on, it can be really discouraging. But what David reminds his soul of is this, that God is a righteous God, and those who are oppressed, their oppression doesn't go unnoticed. He sees it. He takes note of it. And he works to bring about righteousness in those situations. God, if God is the healer of all the diseases and he is the healer of the disease of the soul, then God is going to bring about justice on all iniquity. That God is going to bring about um, judgment. And that is going to be a faithful judgment. And it's something that for the Christian we can really, like, really enjoy. In fact, that we know that God is going to bring about justice. The things that worry us, that, that the, the social issues in the world that, that are going on right now, that God sees those, that God sees the oppression of people. He sees the oppression of sin against your own heart. And he is going to bring that to justice, and he is going to cast that away. And so it's comforting, again, that David goes on to say that God is merciful and gracious, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's just so comforting. Those words are so comforting, just to know that he doesn't repay us what we deserve. We all know our heart. Like, at some level, God knows our hearts better than we do. But you've seen your sin. We know what we're capable of, and we know what we deserve. And I think even, for me, what's even more saddening is when I get angry at God for something that goes wrong in my life. And I'm like, God, you're not fair to me. When I've done so much to blaspheme his name, when I've done so much to sin against his law, to, to spit in his face, when I was the one that yelled crucify him to Jesus, and yet what does God, what does God say? He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Y'all, this, I just feel like if David, you know, as David's worshiping the Lord, his soul has got to be growing, growing, and growing in warmness and love and affection for God. Because he's just remembering how beautiful it is to be forgiven. How amazing it is to be known and to be loved by God. To have God's grace and favor set upon his head. And what that means is that his sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. Like, you can't find those. They're not there. They're gone. That if you're in Christ, Jesus has gone to the cross for you and God has poured his wrath out on him for you. And he has taken all of those sins and buried them into the grave with Jesus. And as Jesus has walked out in newness of life, as Jesus has came out in his resurrected, glorified body, so have we. And our sins are buried. They're behind you. They're, they're gone. And God takes no account of those for us anymore. Paul says 
yeah, in Romans 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is afflicting your soul this morning? What is keeping you from enjoying the benefits and the blessings of God? What is wearing you down? Would you see that Jesus has taken note of it and Jesus has dealt with it? That Jesus has taken it upon himself and he has cast your sins away. And also, that as far as the heavens are above the earth, like that, that expanse that you can't even measure is how much love has been set upon you. That is how much love you are walking in and living in every day if you're in Christ. That's the joy that we have. That's the reality that we live in, even if we don't experience that emotionally uh, at times. Like that is, the, that is the reality. That is the truth. That is what is going on, is that when, I, when, when you wake up in the morning, you're immediately met with the grace and the love of Jesus. And if you're in Christ, you don't spend a second apart from his love. You don't spend a moment apart from his forgiveness. You don't spend a, a day away from his grace and his love. And even when he disciplines us, we can know that it's not going to last forever. But it is a process and the sanctification process where God is making us more and more like him. And even in that, we can worship and praise the Lord. Even in that, we can rejoice. Even in the pain of repentance, we can be led to joy. Um, and that is a good thing. So not, not only does worshiping lead to remembering, but as we remember the truth, as we remember the gospel, we begin to worship again. We begin to praise, even with all that we are, um, the goodness and the grace of God. And so David goes on to say that as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The covenant that we're in in Christ doesn't have anything to do with us. If, if we look at how David describes God and then how David describes man, we're passing away. God is eternal. God is glorious. God's character endures forever. But ours is passing. We're aging. We're getting old. Sicknesses affect us. Um, and, and our days are just short. We're dust. And God takes note of that. And so David rests in the truth and the beauty that the covenant relationship that he has with God is based on the work of Jesus. It's based on the glory of God. It's based on the fact that God's throne is established in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. And that God's promises go from generation to generation because God is unchanging. We're not going to wake up one day and realize that God is different. Your children won't wake up one day and see that God is unfaithful. I think it's beautiful that we had a baptism this morning and then looking at this passage that says that his righteousness is to children's children. Um, that all like that we can take hope that the generations after us will be met with the steadfast love of the Lord. And that should encourage us to be faithful. That should encourage us to want to teach our children. I don't have children, but hopefully if I ever do, um, I can apply this. But um, for you that are parents, or even for you that, that have a, a son or a daughter that's wandered away from the faith, God is still faithful. There's still hope. There's still hope for them. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. 
His mercies endure. And if you're, if you're wondering or you're worried over your children, rest in, rest in these promises of God. Rest in this truth. Rest in the gospel. Because he loves your children. If he loves you and if he's been faithful to you, then he loves your children. And his faithfulness endures. And he loves them. And there's still, there's still hope. And you can trust and rest. And I think it's beautiful, as we saw, children make professions of faith today, just to, just to relish in the beauty that God is faithful to the next generation, that it's passed down. And so this brings our hearts even more to worship. And so David calls all of creation to worship God, both in the heavens and on the earth. He calls the angels. He calls the mighty ones and the ministers of heaven. And he calls all of the works of God's creation to bless and to glorify the Lord. And finally, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. There's a song that we sing here, um, and it says, if creation sings your praises, so will I. And that's a phrase that has kind of stuck with me recently because if all, if all of creation is blessing the Lord and all of creation is called by God to bring him glory, then so is our soul. And so is the depths of our being and everything that is in us should worship and magnify the Lord and should enjoy him. And so I, my, my prayer for us is that, you know, as we leave this place and as we go, that we will, that we will be a people that recount the blessings and the faithfulness of God, that we would be a people that speak of the truth, that speak of the forgiveness that we have in Christ, that we would be a people that walk more and more in the joy and in the blessing of knowing Jesus, of knowing that his love is set on you, that his steadfast love remains on you, and that is not going to change. I was on a mission trip recently and had the opportunity to go and worship um, with some of the believers down there, and they didn't really have a lot. Uh, they, they worshiped in a little bitty kind of tin shack thing. If you can imagine walking into this, the, a little bitty room about the size of your child's bedroom. Um, and there's little metal chairs around it, curtains hanging around the room. And, but there's about 20 believers in there, faithfully enjoying worshiping the Lord. And one of the pastors, you know, asks, does anybody have anything they want to bless the Lord for today? And three or four people stand up at different times and just say, I want to bless the Lord because he's healed my friend. Or I want to bless the Lord because he has forgiven me of my sins. And as I was, you know, studying this passage and thinking about it, that just really struck me. That even for, you know, for people that don't have a lot, or even, you know, that that they can stand up and thank and bless the Lord for the blessings that they have. And so beautifully the fact that that if we're in Christ, we are forgiven that we're being made new, that we are made new in Jesus. And how do we know this? We see this in the life of Jesus. Because when Jesus steps onto the scene, um, what does he do? To the woman who is overwhelmed by her sin, who comes before him and throws herself at his feet and washes his feet with her hair, he says, go, your sins are forgiven. To the lepers who are plagued with the diseases, what does he do? He touches them. He reaches out. And he heals them. And to Lazarus, who was in the grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he brought him to life. He redeems your life from the pit. He satisfies you with good. These are the things that we need, church. We need to remember that we're forgiven, that we're being healed and made new, and that we're going to be brought safely to glory.
because Jesus is faithful, because Jesus came, and Jesus lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, and he earned your righteousness for you. Because Jesus took all of your sin upon, him, upon himself, he took all of it, and he went to the cross, and he let the wrath of God fall upon him. He let the justice of God be poured out on him so that you and I could only experience his favor, that we could experience his goodness and grace and walk and live in the newness of life, which is marked every single day by his favor, by his love, and by his acceptance. And we can live and enjoy that. And we need to be, we need to be a people that enjoy coming together and remembering these things, reminding our souls, preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, because we want to begin to live and experience this joy that we have in Christ, this goodness, this grace that Jesus offers. And he does so, so faithfully, so willingly. So if you're here this morning, and maybe you haven't, maybe you don't know where you are, whether you've believed in Jesus yet, I pray that you would see that he is good. That this is, this is what the gospel offers. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you grace. And he offers you a life marked by his acceptance and his love. He wants to give that to you. So would you come to him? Would you confess your sins? Would you bring everything in you that's wearing you down? Everything, all the sin that's weighing your soul down. And would you bring that to him? And leave it at his feet. And see that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. In the name of the Father in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for loving me um, and for loving this church, for being so faithful to us. God, I pray that we would be a people who begin more and more to just rest in your favor, to enjoy your blessing, and to speak more and more to one another of just the benefits that we have in Christ, that we're forgiven, that we're being redeemed and being made new, that we're being sanctified through the work of the Holy Spirit. God, that we're going to be brought safely to glory because Jesus is seated with you in the heavenly places, ruling and reigning. So God, I pray that you would just help us to remember these things this week, to walk in the newness of life that you have called us, and I pray that people would see the difference that people would glorify you and praise you, and that still water um, would just be moved by your glory, that they would see a people walking as those who know that they are loved, as those who know that they are forgiven, and who extend love and forgiveness to others. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.